the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back, listeners. Today, I welcome Dr. Stefano Bini, an orthopedist with UCSF who specializes in joint arthroplasty. Dr. Bini is also the chair and founder of the meeting called DocSF, short for Digital Orthopedic Conference in San Francisco. Hello, Dr. Bini, and welcome to the Ortho PAC. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and talk to you a little bit about what's coming down the pike in terms of the future of virtual reality. I met you for about a minute or two at the AAOS. You were making your rounds, and I thought it was such an interesting topic that you had a discussion with me about. So that's how we came to today's podcast. And today's topic is on virtual reality and applications and maybe some potential applications in orthopedics. How is, you know, these different realities, how are they used in medicine or in training? Yeah, so let's take virtual reality first. Uh, there are several clear applications that are starting to gain traction. One that is quite interesting is, is using virtual reality to get people out of their head, so to speak. So people having significant anxiety or pain when placed in a virtual reality environment that may be cold, for example, that could be on um, in the mountain, throwing snowballs. In that environment, they would feel less pain. People who are very anxious could be placed in a calm, soothing environment on the beach by an ocean with some nice music playing and their anxiety measures drop significantly. So those are applications of virtual reality in, in a clinical environment that, are, that have come to mind. Another one that's becoming quite popular, there's a fair amount of money being invested into it, is the use of virtual reality to teach skills. So if you are in a virtual reality environment, you have a headset and you have these controllers in your hands and the software knows where your hands are because those controllers, you can manipulate objects in this virtual environment and you can do a procedure. You can nail a tibia, tibial fracture, go through a process, picking up the instruments, assembling them, moving them in space, aligning them with a, uh, a broken bone, seeing what the extra looks like uh, and driving that device, a tibial nail, for example, into the bone to straighten it and to fix it and do that over and over again. And when you've mastered that sequence of events, it's been shown that when you go do it live in a real person, you're much, much more efficient at it, something like 30% quicker at the procedure because you practiced it. So this idea of learning techniques or learning skills in a virtual environment is really uh, becoming quite popular. And it could be as complicated as doing a difficult surgery. It's also has been used to, um, to try complicated procedures and do them before you actually do them. But it's also been applied to things like nurses who perhaps need to be certified on central line placement and can do this in a virtual environment and be certified. So those are the kinds of ways that we're seeing virtual reality uh, utilized because you're an entirely virtual environment and you can control it. Augmented reality has some very interesting educational pieces too, because now let's just say that you have a headset on and you're intubating a mannequin to learn how to do an intubation of a patient who is asleep and you're CRNA or uh, something like that. They can project into your field of view exactly where that tube is going. 
in imagine if it was a CT scan example into field view. At the same time that you're doing that, they can actually project into the field of view a mistake, so that you have a chance to see what happens when you make an when you make an error in your technique and you need to address it. So the augmented reality experience is really quite interesting. Mixed reality is coming. The mixed reality experience could be doing that procedure we talked about in the virtual reality space, but in in real life. So you actually have a dummy and then on that dummy there there's a virtual instrument set. And you can now start manipulating the instruments around this dummy so that you can actually practice doing it with these virtual instruments that don't actually exist in real life. So that's where you get into the mixed reality environment. And that, again, for education, for treating things, but also for uh, remote surgery. You can imagine a surgeon who is seeing in their physical world, Maybe they're at an OR table, but on the OR table, they projected a, um, in your field of view, you have a hologram of the patient you operate on maybe thousands of miles away. And now you see a bunch of instruments you can interface with, move them around and, and work them. And then the same, whatever you're physically doing in your own virtual world is actually happening thousands of miles away. And that sounds science fiction, but people are already doing it. So it's, this technology is no longer something we read about in textbooks. It's starting to be truly plausible. And just to take a step back, I talk a lot about this idea of adjacencies. And the concept of adjacencies isn't mine. It's been around for some time. It comes out of evolutionary biology as its origins. But it's the idea that things happen only when everything that's required to make them happen is available. So for example, the light bulb wasn't an issue, right? But it wasn't Edison came up with it. It was 500, I think there was three or 400 applications for patents for light bulbs all within a year, if I'm not mistaken. And that's because everything was in place that required a light bulb. If it wasn't for the electrical grid being there and some other elements of technology being there, the that time it wouldn't happen. If you think about Amazon, if you came up with the idea for Amazon in 1980, well, sure, you could have come up with the idea, but you didn't have FedEx to deliver stuff. You didn't have cameras to take pictures of things. You didn't have the payment models available. It wouldn't have worked. But once all those things are available, that can happen. So what's happening in the VR space, AR space that makes things visible? One is the quality of screens that you're looking into, the ability to project those things in a, in a way that actually feels virtual. The other is data transmission speeds and the ability to transmit data over, over long distance very quickly to the point you don't have these lags. And the computational power of the uh, software to enable the rendition of these virtual things into our visual space, which is really problematic. But now that all these things are available and at low cost or lower cost, it's going to blow up, which is why futurists are telling us that, frankly, you'll not use a screen for very long. Your iPhone, your whatever phone you're using, your tablets, will look back fondly at those days when we had to carry screens around to see information. The perception is that as soon as the technology gets a little cheaper, less more expensive and actually better, most information we normally access on our phones, we project it into our field of view. Uh, somewhere over in glasses, on the screen of your car as you're driving, on any surface that you're working with so that you no longer have to look at a screen to, to get that information. It's really an interesting direction we're moving. Great stuff. Great stuff. Dr. Beanie, thank you for coming on today, taking time to share with our listeners. 
I hope to see you at another conference soon. Yes, look forward to the fortuitous meeting and invite everybody to join us. We have a docsf.health. All our conferences are available by podcast on the Digital Orthopedics podcast and also by video on our website. So if you're interested, your your PAs are interested, we we welcome everybody on the team to join us there. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Please follow the Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery on social media. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please subscribe to our podcast. If this has been helpful, please take a moment to leave a review.